Happy Easter, everybody. So glad that you are here today. Together with about three billion people around the world, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen, amen? He is risen indeed. So we're just so excited uh, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus here today. If you were to Google the most important question in life, you would come up with answers like this. Where did I come from? Who am I? Why am I here? How should I live? Where am I going? But to me, the greatest question that's ever been asked is the question that Jesus asked Martha in John chapter 11. When he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? Four words. Do you believe this? This question was asked on the occasion of uh, Martha wanting Jesus to hurry up and get to Bethany to help Lazarus, who at that time had died. Jesus was ministering uh, about, and uh, Bethany was about two miles from Jerusalem. And he had heard that Lazarus was sick, his good, good friend Lazarus, he was sick. And then he heard that he had died, and he's kind of sauntering his way to get there. He was in no hurry because he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. Jesus knew how the story was going to end. So he finally makes his way there, and Martha meets him before he gets to Bethany. And I don't know if she was a little upset or if she was just grieving, but she said, you know, if you would have been here earlier, you know, your friend wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever believes in me, lives and believes in me, will never, ever die. Do you believe this? And Martha answered it in several different ways, and finally Jesus said, let's go. And they made their way to the tomb where Lazarus lie, and he said, roll back the tomb, and the onlooker said, oh, Jesus, you don't want to do that. He's been in there four days. He's going to really smell. He said, roll back the tomb. Roll back the stone, and he got what he wanted, and he said, Lazarus, come forth after praying a little bit. Lazarus came forth from that tomb, and he said, take off his grave clothes, and there stood Lazarus. The one who was dead is now alive. Do you think that might have been a potent application of the reference, I am the resurrection and the life? Maybe just a little bit? And today is a day about resurrection. On Good Friday, our service kind of left Jesus hanging on the cross uh, on purpose. Today, he, he, he bolts from that tomb triumphantly, alive and well, as our soon coming king. I want us to take a few moments here today to look at this question, do you believe this, from a few different perspectives. I want us to use some of the journalistic words like who and where and what, and I want us to take a close, close look. Who is Jesus? Where do we go when we die? What do we truly, truly believe? First of all, who is he? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice he doesn't say, I resurrect people, and I too one day will be resurrected. No, he says, I am resurrection. I am life. Inseparably linked to Jesus is resurrection power and life. He is all about life. He says, Rob, I'm going to go, and I'm going to die for your sins, and I'm going to go in that tomb for a while, but I'm not going to stay there very long. I'm breaking out of that place. I'm breaking out. I'm I'm bolting from that place. Now, if you were to ask my wife, she would roll her eyes a little bit because she knows I get a little obsessed with prison breaks. Anybody else out there? You know, how in the world do they do that? 
Uh, it's not that I want to know in case I ever have to do it, but, uh, uh, you, know, you know, Alcatraz and Shawshank Redemption and, you know, how do they dig through that wall and get into that vent and, and then we're on the lamb? How, you know, how does that work? That's kind of a scary thing. Um, so, you know, over the last decade or longer, you know, every story that comes up, I'm just kind of fascinated by it. Uh, Jesus shows us the greatest prison break of all time, but he wasn't behind bars, and it wasn't because of anything illegal he had done. In fact, his entire, uh, you know, incarceration was a sham. He was put on illegal trial after illegal trial. But he was in a prison called a tomb. He was in a prison called death, but it did not hold him. He told us in advance, I'm not going to stay there very long, but I'm going to die for your sins because God only can die for the sins of the world, but then I'm going to rise from the dead so you can rise one day from the dead and spend eternity in heaven. That is our blessed hope as Christians, that this life is just this life, but there's another life to come. It's called heaven when everything's going to be remarkable and perfect and wonderful. Jesus made it clear, not only will I rise, but you too can rise if you put your faith in me. Do you believe this? It's a question he asks not only Martha, but every single one of us. Do you believe this? When they went to the tomb, nobody expected no body. But they sure should have. Jesus had predicted it over and over again, even in this instance, I am the resurrection, I am the life. It shouldn't have been a shock, but it was to everybody. Prison break! Jesus is no longer here. Where is he? He's out. He's free. He's alive. Here's the facts of Scripture. Many of you know this, but if you're new to the Bible and new to what it means to be a Christian, here's what the Bible says. Sin condemns us. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us here. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a sinner. Go ahead and do that. Some of you have been wanting to do this for years. Uh, you are a sinner, a dirty, rotten. That's enough. That's enough. Some of you are going way too far with that. Uh, we are a big support group of sinners. All have sinned. All means all. All have sinned. Me, you, everybody. And, and we're condemned by our sin. There's no hope, no way out. We can't save ourselves. But God, in his great infinite love, sent his son, Jesus Christ, for God demonstrated his love to us. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Only God could pay for the sins of the whole world. And so Jesus had to come. It was the only way. Jesus came to save us. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is our only hope. That's what the Bible teaches. There's only one name under salvation by which we can be saved, Acts 4.12. And then in 1 John 5.11 and 12, it says this, these are the facts God has given us eternal life, and this life is found in his son Jesus. He who has the son has eternal life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. You either have the son or you don't. You either believe this or you don't. There's really no middle ground. Over and over and over again, we see that truth in Scripture over and over again. We all need help in life. We need help 
with our sin problem. That's why God sent his son Jesus. And then there's just other practical things we need help. You know, uh, you know, if we need some maintenance on our house, you know, many of us call someone who's really good at that to come and help us out. If we need some auto mechanics done, we go to the expert. You know, uh, if uh, you need to get your taxes done, you go to an expert. How many are glad I brought that up at this time of the year? <laughs> some of you say, I have totally forgot about my taxes. Thank you, Pastor Rob. Uh, we may need a counselor, we may need to talk to a pastor, we may need advice from here, we might need help from our boss, we may need advice from our parents, on and on it goes. We need help, we need guidance. We all need help. The kind of help we don't need is the uh, humorous kind that I want to share with you right now. I was, I was reading my Twitter feed and uh, some guy I'd never heard of uh, made a statement that just made me laugh out loud. He said just these simple words, right now I'm in the process of helping my son find his lost M&M's that I ate last night. <laughs> and immediately I began to think of young dads in our church that would do that. And I won't mention any names, but people like Danny Butcher and Rocky Oliphant and, you know, oh yeah, let's find your M&M. Maybe they're behind the couch or maybe they're in this drawer. The dog ate it. Your sister took it. Your mom hid it in the cupboard. That's not the help we need, right? But how about this help, this little poor little puppy who's in this irrigation ditch and probably will drown without this guy jumping in the bucket and going down and pulling this little puppy out of the water. I saw a picture, a video like this, that also rescued a fawn, a little a baby deer. Somebody pulled a deer out of it. You know, we've all seen pictures of dogs walking across a frozen pond or lake and falling in and someone has to go out and rescue them. You know, help, help. You know, fishermen that fall overboard or people on uh, cruise ships that fall into the ocean and someone has to throw them a lifeline or a life ring. Well, each and every one of us were bobbing in the sea of our own sin and God sent us a lifeline. We needed help. And that lifeline was Jesus. Otherwise, there'd be no hope. We needed help. God sent his son, Jesus Christ. He's the only way to heaven. And he said to Martha, do you believe this? Just like he says to you and me today. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never, ever die. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our past is forgiven. Let's go back to that previous slide. Our future is secure. And he gives us help, help for today. All of that is ours if we believe in Jesus. Forgiveness for our past, hope for the future, but help for today. Anybody ever need help? We need help for today. And God gives us that through his son, Jesus Christ. The second thing I want us to think about as we look at this question is where we go. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never, ever die. You see, if we put our faith in Christ, if we answer in the affirmative, do you believe this? Yes, I believe Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. If we say yes to that, we are on our way to heaven. Our past is forgiven. Our future is sure. God is with us in the present. But he will take us to heaven where we will live forever and ever and ever again. I've conducted many, many, many funerals in, in my life work. Many funerals of all varieties that you can imagine. 
babies, little children, uh, you know, teenagers, uh, young adults, um, parents with kids left behind, um, senior adults, you know, and everything in between. You know, tragic accidents, drowning, you know, uh, auto accidents, um, suicide, even murder, and others. I'm not unacquainted with the subject of death, and yet it's always hard, always painful, and always difficult. Yet Jesus says this about death. He says, death does not have to be the end. Just like I broke free from the pangs and the claws of death, you too, if you put your faith in me. That's the sum total of the whole thing. Do you believe in me or do you not? If you put your faith in me, you have the hope of everlasting life. So that this life is not the end. There's a hope of the life to come. Somebody talked about the words they saw in a tombstone. Maybe you've heard this before. But somebody wrote these words, pause now, stranger, as you pass by, as you were once, so was I, as I am now, you shall be, so prepare for death and follow me. Pretty pointed. You walk by, you see that, and go, okay. Well, somebody else walked by, read that, and was overheard to say this, to follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. <laughs> That's fantastic. There are two options. You go up or you go down. You go to heaven or you go to that place down under. And I'm not talking about Australia. But it's our choice, our decision. Do you believe this? It's a very simple question. And the answer is very simple. It's either yes or no. How about you? You say, Pastor Rob, I dealt with that question long ago. I committed my life to Christ. Good. You may be here to say, you know, I committed my life to the Lord a while ago, but I've kind of drifted. Today's a great day to recommit your life to Christ. For others, in all honesty, you may say, you know, I'm kicking the tires of faith, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're kicking the tires of faith. Continue to think and ponder, and God will make himself real to you. Of that I am confident. Heaven is perfect. You want to go there. It's pain-free. It's trouble-free. It's time-free. You don't want to miss it. But this life, before we get there, can be crushing. There can be lots of tears and lots of trouble and lots of hurt and lots of pain, and you know what I mean. Last fall, I did a series on finding the road back from regret, and I talked about the story of Edie Ager, who at 16 years of age was uh, taken as a prisoner to Auschwitz. Her parents were taken to the gas chamber. Other family members were killed. Just a really horrific story. I mean, she uh, was beaten. Her back was broken. Uh, death and disease was all around her. She was, you know, within an inch of starvation, ate grass to survive and, and worse. Um, and she was finally rescued from a pile of dead bodies from U.S. soldiers. She tells her story during that season, but then also about how to rebound from her regrets and how she had to rise above the pain and sorrow that just so uh, absorbed her. She talked about survivor guilt and, and uh, trying to put past memories out of her mind and dealing with difficulties. And she made this statement that I didn't share last fall, but I want to hear today. 
Speaking of the 23rd Psalm, which actually we're going to walk through as a church family here in about a month or so, she said, I go through the valley of the shadow of death, but I don't camp there. That caught my attention, especially knowing her story. I go through the valley of the shadow of death. See, that's one of the great hopes of the Christian faith is that we're gonna go through some deep, dark valleys, but we don't have to stay there, and we don't have to go through it alone. Jesus walks with us every step of the way. For those of us who have faith in Christ, we know that our pain and sorrow is not the end of the story. We may never go through what Edie endured, but we all have our own pain, our own suffering, our own difficulty. We know that the Lord will be with us Give us the help we need as we go through our struggles. It was only two weeks ago tomorrow, but it seems like months ago, that all of us were just totally stricken and broken by the Nashville shooting tragedy. Two weeks ago tomorrow, 152 rounds killing three adults and three children, the most horrific thing you could imagine. One of the children was Hallie Scruggs, the nine-year-old daughter of Pastor Chad and Jada Scruggs. Chad's the pastor of the, the senior pastor of the Covenant Presbyterian Church in Nashville. And he said these words after a, a while. He said, we are heartbroken. She was such a gift. Through tears we trust that she is in the arms of Jesus who will raise her to life once again. Why was he able to say that? Because he knew something about the resurrection. Pray for Pastor Scruggs and his wife. Pray for their family. Pray for all the people in that church that were so impacted. Some of you read a little deeper, as did I, and you know that about a month prior to this horrific shooting, Pastor Scruggs gave a homily, a sermon, in his church from John chapter 11 the story of Lazarus rising from the dead. This is a month before the tragedy. And he made this statement that just jumped off the page to me. He said, the middle of a hard story looks different when you know how the story ends. It looks different. Jesus knew how the story was gonna end. He knew he was gonna raise Lazarus from the death, but when you read, You see that he gets there and he begins to weep. The grief and suffering and tragedy just just struck him in such a deep way. In fact, the shortest verse of the Bible, John 11, 35, simply says, Jesus wept. He was overwhelmed by the loss of his good friend. Even though he knew he was about to rise him from the dead. Let that sink in just a little bit. Jesus Christ is the master of the middle. Let's go back to that little continuum. We give him our sins for the past. We look forward to heaven in the future. But we need his help in the middle, amen? We need his help and strength to endure the challenges of the middle. And he is resurrection and he is life, not just for the future, not just for the past, but for the middle. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know there are many within the sound of my voice that are experiencing pain in the middle. He is the master of the middle. 
How do you survive the tragic loss of a nine-year-old daughter? I know of only one way, by leaning into the resurrection and the life. That is the only way. Jesus Christ, weeping on his lap, leaning into his arms, crying violently in deep personal pain. Jesus knew how the story would end, but he still weeps. Even though we can have a strong confidence about how our story will end, a mature faith understands that tears are normal. Grief is natural. Pain is real. And we can have hope for the future, but still be broken in the present, needing to rely on his help. That's one of the things this story tells me. Blessed are those who mourn. Even though we know our sadness will turn to joy, there will be times of mourning in this life. If you're doubting the love of Jesus in the midst of your present circumstances, regardless of what they are, I want to encourage you to look to the cross and remember his love. I want to encourage you then to look to the empty tomb and remember his resurrection power. He has, he is exactly what you need as you go through the middle. Your present circumstances are part of your story. Catch this. It's part of your story. Grief, experiences, sadness, hurt, pain, it's all a part of your story. But do not allow yourself, even for a moment, to think as you're going through the middle that the middle is the end of the story. It's the middle of the story. The end of the story is resurrection. The end of the story is the hope of heaven. The end of the story, if you put your faith in Christ, is that you one day will live forever and ever and ever and ever with Jesus. He's the master of the middle. I think often about the fact that there's very little in my control. Thirteen army Some were officers, some were soldiers, died in the collision of two helicopters. Grieve for those families. You see a lot about the pull out of Afghanistan and the 13 servicemen and women that were blown up at Abbey Gate in the, uh, at the Kabul airport. I have no control over any of that. Tornadoes, my daughter-in-law's nestling you know, in the basement with my two grandchildren, my dad is away at work uh, in another state. I have no control over tornadoes. We could go on and on listing all the things we don't have control over. But there's one thing we do have control over, and that is what we believe. Do you believe this? There's one thing we can be sure about, and that is where we go when this life is over. And why in the world would we leave that to chance? Why would we put that off? Why would we not choose to put all our faith in the resurrected Savior who proved victorious over sin and death? Amen? Amen. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. Finally, do you believe this? What do we believe? 
Do I believe what, Jesus? Do you believe that? Do I believe what? Jesus said, well, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? I say yes. Many of you say yes. If you're thinking about it, I invite you today to say yes. Jesus is saying, I came to die on the cross for your sins so that you have the hope of everlasting life, and if you put your faith and trust in me, you will be forgiven and you will have the hope of heaven. You see, what we believe determines the direction of our life. If you don't believe in Jesus, if your hope and faith is not in Jesus, then you're going to try to find a different way to kind of get to wherever you want to go. And there are a lot of people in the world today that think there's a different road to heaven or a different path to the life hereafter. But we just read earlier that there's only one name under heaven by which we can be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. The only way to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. I was really struck by the story that some of you may have seen about the the female falcon that was equipped with a satellite tracking system in South Africa before migrating to Finland. The image shows the tracker data here on on the right. In just 42 days, she flew over 10,000 kilometers at an incredible average of 230 kilometers per day and nearly in a straight line. Discovery Channel. Wow. How does that happen? That's amazing. That's a lot of flying in the right direction. And this is just a bird. And yet many people today are zigzagging all over the place. They're one place and they're wanting to get to heaven and they have no idea on how to get there. Or they may know and they're just stiff-arming God and saying, I'm going to do it my way. And they're creating new paths and new ideas and new options, none of which will be fruitful. I mean, the creator created this falcon with the ability, the uh, uh, directional fortitude to get you know, to where it needs to go. The instinctual ability of this bird is amazing. But here's what the Bible says about you and me. Every person has been given a God-sized void in their heart that only God can fill. Only God can fill. And when we accept Christ into our heart and life, he begins to change us from the inside out. And his Holy Spirit is knocking on our heart's door saying, open your life to me. I want to come in. I want to bring you fulfillment and hope and forgiveness and the hope of everlasting life. Have you opened your life to Christ? Are you pushing him away? Are you stiff-arming him? Is this message all about you here today where you need to answer in the affirmative? Do you believe this? Yes, I do. I want to invite you to do three things this Easter. Decide. Choose Jesus. Decide to make him your Lord and Savior. Say, Lord, I believe. Dedicate. Yes, I am going to follow you. I'm committing my life to you. Determine. I'm going to put you first, Christ. I'm going to center my life around you from this point forward. About the time the Apostle John passed away, 100 AD-ish, Justin Martyr was born. So Justin Martyr came right on the heels of the first apostles. As he grew older, he became quite a student of Greek philosophy, and he put all his energy into being a philosopher, and you know, he was quite gifted and studious in that realm. But there came a time where he said, this is not enough for me. I believe there is something more. 
And somehow, someway, he was introduced to Jesus Christ, and he became a student of Jesus. He studied Christ, he studied the Scripture, and he became a follower of Jesus. He was resolute in his commitment. He was absolute in his devotion. And as the years went by, he was put on trial and basically said, you must recant your faith, offer sacrifices to foreign gods. This is in, in, in the Roman world. And he said, no, I can't recant. If they would have worn T-shirts in those days, that would have been a great slogan on his T-shirt. I can't recant. I, I know too much. I know too much about the joy and love and mercy and grace of Christ. I can't recant. I can't even think about it. They said, we're going to behead you. He said, do your worst. Behead me, shoot me with arrows, drive me through with a lance, a sword. It doesn't matter. And then he said the words that you see on the screen. You can kill us, but you cannot do us any real harm. Why could he say that? Because of the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never, ever die. You can take this body, but I then get to go to heaven forever and ever. Paul said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? This life is a few short years when compared to eternity. And then we spend the rest in heaven if we believe in him, if we trust in him, if we put our faith in him. People all around the world are finding faith in Christ. Elderly, young, middle-aged, men, women, every different race, nationality, background, profession, on and on it goes. I had a few people within our church just share a little bit about their journey. One of our retired men said, hey, I've been on a Christian journey my whole life. Lots of twists and turns. I've come from a place where I believed there was no God to believing there was a God, but he was angry and mean to now I know of his love, mercy, and grace. A young woman, young mom, said, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I found myself longing for something new, and I realized that God is the joy and peace I had been looking for, and I committed my life to him and received forgiveness and have never looked back. A young, young woman said, the first time I sincerely prayed to God, he met me. I've been wanting more. I wondered if God was real and if he even cared about me. My question and longing, God met me and filled me with his peace and confidence. A young attorney in our church said, you can believe there's a God, and even that the historical person of Jesus existed without being engaged as a Christ follower. God, however, is able to manufacture situations that help us understand we desperately need a savior to where we commit our life to him. Another person said, I've dedicated my life to Jesus at a young age, but much of my life has been up and down, twists and turns, backward and forward. At times I've experienced closeness with God only to become entangled in the world's distractions. However, one truth is constant and sustains me in moments of failure. I thought this was powerful. He said, I have been forgiven and redeemed through his sacrifice. It's an immense joy to know that we are cherished, cherished by God. Do you believe this? 
Some of you say, absolutely, absolutely. Most of us have committed our life to Christ. Maybe you're listening online, maybe you're in this service, maybe you're in the chapel, maybe you're in one of our other services here today, catching this message a little bit later. I wanna invite you to commit your life to Jesus. There's no greater decision. There's no more important question on any exam than do you believe this? It's the most important question in the history of the world. Do you believe in Jesus? And to believe in Jesus as easy as ABC. A, I acknowledge that I need a savior. I believe that Jesus is the son of God who came to die for the sins of the world and I commit my life to him. I just commit, I, I, I choose to believe. Yes, do you believe this? Yes, I believe this. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you close your eyes for just a moment? Lord, I thank you for everybody that is here today. You love everybody, Lord. And I know, Lord, in a crowd this size and certainly throughout all the services here this weekend, there'll be those that, in all honesty, are saying, you know, I'm kind of kicking the tires of faith and I'm not really quite sure know, know what to do with it. Lord, I pray you'll just make yourself near and real to each and every one of them. Help them come to know that you love them, you care about them. If you've known the Lord in the past but kind of drifted or really have never committed your life to Jesus, but today you say, yes, I believe this. I want to commit my life to Jesus. You just need to simply pray a personal, simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Help me, Lord. I want to follow you. That's how it starts. That's the first step. To simply invite him in. Yes, I believe, Lord. Give me understanding as I grow in my knowledge and application of God's word. Lord, I pray your blessing on everybody that's here. Many are walking with some challenges right now, some I know about, many I don't. I pray, God, for your strength and comfort. You, who are resurrection and life, I pray you'll breathe that power and love into each and every one. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just before we have a closing song, I just want to uh, encourage you to take that connection card in front of you you made a Christ commitment, would you just check the box or just write on there, today I committed my life to Christ or recommitted my life. Put it in the black box as you leave or drop it off at the Connection Center. Uh, we have a special book we'd like to give you to help you in your next steps. Also, this coming Wednesday, our basic Christian belief class starts anew and it is an incredible, incredible course. I hope that you would consider coming and learning about what it means to put Christ first in your life. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Happy Easter.